Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right. How you doing, everyone? I'm Ross Salzberg. And once again, I want you all to listen up here and get a load of this. This past week was a crazy one in baseball. We got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly in the game. And the reason is this, the dumbing down of baseball. So, like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. Yep, it was, uh, it was quite a week in baseball, in particular in New York baseball. Uh, and it started on Monday night, which was what I call the bad and the ugly. Uh, folks, I have been covering baseball for a long time and you know as a kid it's been part of my life I've seen a lot of guys get hit a lot of guys get hit from the head to the toes okay uh, one of the worst that I ever th- thought I had seen was when uh, Roger Clemens nailed Mike Piazza uh, in the head and I mean that was a scary as it, uh, to me at the time, could have possibly gotten. But fortunately, Piazza was okay. But we'll, I'll get to that one in a little bit. But the one that I got to see on Monday night was, it, it was petrifying to me. The Braves' um, Jacob Webb hit the Mets' Kevin Pillar in the face, I mean, square in the schnoz, okay, square in his nose, Webb hit Pilar with a 94 miles per hour fastball, Pilar went down in a heap, blood was squirting, spurting out of his face, fortunately, for himself and for everybody watching, Pilar didn't stay down long at all. He popped himself up, walked off the field. Really, I mean, trainers and people were around him, but he walked off the field 
by himself holding towels to his face. The net result was several broken bones in his nose. Surgery will fix it up. And uh, he's going to be okay. And, and he, the only thing that bothered him was that, you know, that night he said he was just pissed off because he wanted to get back on the field. He wanted to be back with his teammates, couldn't play. Well, thank goodness, you know, he's going to be okay. And thank goodness he can have that attitude. But I have to say, I mean, it, that that was so scary to me on all fronts. Because first and foremost, you had to worry about a guy's life. Forget his career. And it is his career. But, I, I mean, that was as ugly as ugly can get. And what was even scarier in, in a cockeyed kind of way was the reaction of the pitcher, Jacob Webb. Jacob Webb was like, not down on all fours, but he was just crouching, looking at Pilar being attended to, okay? He was just crouching. He looked as though he was in a catatonic state, and I'm not being overdramatic. He, he was white. He was ashen. He had looked like he had seen a ghost. Obviously, it was unintentional. The pitch got away. I looked at it over several times. The pitch just got away. But clearly, it, it, it was just, the whole thing was mesmerizing to me. He And Webb couldn't pitch after that. I remember the announcer, Ron Darling, saying, and he was right on the money, he says he's got to be taken out of the game because he's in no shape to move forward. And, you know, the Braves took him out of the game immediately, and he went into the dugout and clubhouse. Now, you have to wonder how that incident, you know, people always say when your guy gets hit in the face, the guy gets hit in the face, how's he going to react after that? You know, is he going to shy away? I, 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 I'm in no way putting myself in the same category as a Major League Baseball player. But I was 15 years old playing American Legion ball in the parade grounds in Brooklyn. And I got hit. A guy hung a curveball. guy by the name of Marvin, Marvin Roberts who played in the NBA. He hit me right under the eye, the the the, the eye socket, a cheekbone, whatever you want to call it. And I remember, the reason I, rem, I will remember distinctly, but I also remember that day I got hit in the face and I had to go to the hospital that afternoon to visit my father who was in the hospital after suffering a heart attack. So here I am going to the hospital and this was like three hours later. I, I, I wasn't cut, I wasn't bleeding, but the stitches of the baseball were still embedded in my face, Okay. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Again, I'm not putting myself in the same category as a major leaguer, but I was never the same leaning into a pitch. But people just think it affects the hitter. How about the pitcher? How's it going to affect Jacob Webb? He was back at it again. They, you know, he was off for a couple of days and they put him in a game on Thursday night when the Braves were facing the Pirates. 
Uh, actually, he came in, I think, was the top of the 10th inning with the score tied at four. He gave up not one, not two, but three straight singles. Braves wound up losing at 6-4. Call it a coincidence, call it what have you. But you never know how these things affect the player. You, ju- you just don't know. Both from the pitching standpoint and from the batter standpoint. And you, listen, folks, you know what they say in professional sports. Probably none more so in baseball. You got to forget it. I mean, b- baseball's a sport where if, you, if you're a hitter, if you're 30% successful, you're a very good player. That means you're a 300 hitter. No sport is like that. If you're 30% successful. You know, you strike out, you got to shake it off. You make an error, you got to shake it off. But it's easier said than done when you were talking about getting hit in the face or hitting somebody. Now, just three weeks prior to Pilar getting hit, one of the game's biggest names, the Phillies' Bryce Harper, Harper excuse me, got nailed in the face from uh, Genesis Cabrera, of the Cardinals from a 97-mile-per-hour fastball. The ball hit Bryce's cheekbone, knocked off his helmet, and then ricocheted off his wrist. Now, Harper, you don't want this to happen to anybody, but Harper, you know, we're talking about a $330 million contract that he got from the Phillies, okay? Not only was he okay, he was back in the lineup shortly after But you always have to worry about the what-ifs. Like I say, what about the residual effects? And that's something you just never, again, never know. And one of my great cases in point, for those of you who might be familiar, others might not, the late Tony Canigliaro of the Boston Red Sox. Tony C., as he was known, was a local hero. He was from Revere, Massachusetts. He came up in 1964 with the Sox at the age of 19. 19 years old, in 111 games, he had 24 home runs. The next year, in in 65, 32 home runs. Knocked in, uh, I think it was 116. The next year... 28. And then, in 1967, he had 20 home runs in 95 games. At the time, Tony Canigliaro was the second youngest man at the age of 22 to hit 100 home runs. The second youngest. Mel Ott was and still is the youngest. He he did it... Um, in 1931, beating Tony C., Tony Canigliaro by, I think it was 65 days. All right? And, and to, to give you an idea how difficult it is, you know, I did a little homework just reading. Melot did it at, um, again, as I said, 22. Then it was Tony Canigliaro. Uh, 
then it was Eddie Matthews, then it was Alex Rodriguez, then it was Andrew Jones, uh, A-Rod at 23, Andrew Jones at 23, Miguel Cabrera at 23, Johnny Bench at 23, Bryce Harper at 23, Albert Pujols at 23. Uh, the Braves' Ronald Acuna will do it this year. Uh, he's got 96 now. He's also 23. But in August of 67, Canigliaro was at Fenway with the Red Sox. And if you remember 67, that was on their way to winning the American League pennant. The Angels' Fat Jack Hamilton, as we used to like to call him when he was a New York Met, hit Canigliaro on the left cheekbone, fractured it, dislocated his jaw, and probably the most damaging thing of all caused severe damage uh, to his left eye, in particular the, the retina. And if it's not the sole reason that the beaning, what we call it, the beaning of, of Canigliaro was one of the reasons, the main reasons that the air flaps on the helmets became standard. Because at, at that time, up until that time, you just wore a helmet. There were no flaps, left or right side. Anyway, Canigliaro missed all of the following season, all of 68. He comes back in 69. The, the kid hits 20 home runs, knocks in 82 uh, runs, gets comeback player of the year. I, I, I took special interest. I had, Listen, I grew up at that time, I was a Dodgers fan, before I was a Mets fan, so then, you you know, if you were in New York and, and you either were a Dodger or a Giants fan when they left, and then you also became a Mets fan. Well, anyway, I, I digress. But in 1970, he comes back again, has a career-high 36 homers and 116 runs batted in. But, but, here's the big but. His eyesight was really shot. He went to the Angels in 71. And that was it for him at the age of 26. He tried to come back. I think he was 30 in 1975 with the Red Sox to try out to be, to be uh, a designated hitter, but to no avail. So at 30, it was over. Tony C. did some sports anchoring the age of 37, he suffered a heart attack followed by a serious stroke. Put him in a coma. He had some brain damage. Continued to have poor health and was dead at the age of 45. A very, very sad story. And the reason I bring it up, I actually got goosebumps talking about this. The reason I bring it up is because, unfortunately, I can see it happening, something like that happening again, and I can see it happening now more easily than ever before. You see, since baseball is so damn concerned about analytics these days, more like, I should say, not concerned, driven by analytics, let the powers to be chew on this statistic since they want to analyze how about this folks since 2017 that ain't that long ago you have almost a 30 percent 
I'm not making these numbers up. I, I think it's 28. Well, you're close to 30% spike in hit batters. That's not a teensy-weensy jump. That's an enormous spike. So the question is, why? Why is this happening? Well, for me, the number one culprit, the number one culprit is baseball's idiotic need for speed. There's an absolute obsession with speed. In particular, the catchword in baseball today, you've heard me say it before, is velocity. The velo. How fast the guy throws every pitch is clocked? This many miles per hour. That many miles per hour. Ditto for hitters with the dumbest stat in all of sports. Exit velocity. Who gives a shit about exit velocity? Who freaking cares how fast the ball goes off a bat and into the stands? Really, to me, the most important thing is being productive. But I'm going to get to the hitters in a bit. For now, though, we're talking pitchers. Sure, they throw hard. Real hard. And and we're told about it on every pitch. Oh, that one was 90 this. That one was this. I mean, I mean, if a guy throws less than 90, you looks like, what's wrong with him? Everybody's throwing hard, but where are they throwing? And are they controlling their pitches? Everybody is so obsessed with throwing hard, but where are they? How are they controlling their pitches? And those of you who have listened to me Uh, I'm going to bring up a guy. You all know Sandy Koufax was my hero. Arguably the greatest of of them all. Well, Koufax came into his own in 1961. That year he won 18 games. But in a spring training game, and it was one of those games where I I think he was going to go the distance. There was a time where pitchers went the distance in spring training games or certainly a lot of innings. But it was, I think it was either in the first or the second inning. And he was told he was going to have to go long because, I don't know, there was a shortage of pitches, whatever. So he walks, he walked the first three hitters in that inning. So his catcher, Norm Sherry, comes out and says to Koufax, you know, why don't you stop trying to throw so hard? Why don't you take a little something off your pitches? Just, just try it. Take a little something off your pitches. So Koufax took a little something off his pitches, and he struck out the next three, and really, the rest is history. But the interesting thing here, Sherry, Norm Sherry said to him in the dugout, After that inning, he says, you were actually throwing harder than you were when you were walking everybody. And Koufax had asked him, how could that be? He says, so so Sherry said to him, because it was the rhythm of your pitches and where they were going. That's what I'm talking about. Knowing where your pitches are going. 
And the problem today is we're dealing with the dumbing down of baseball. The game is no longer played the right way. Listen, guys coming up, I mean, they were no, they've watered down the minor leagues. Guys don't have the training that they've had before. It's a mess. Now, I'll tell you something else about ugly incidents before I get to the hitters. Ugly incidents in baseball. You know, a, a, a famous one, you know, I call it a payback. The famous one, especially to New Yorkers, were back, it was back in 2000 in the Subway Series. Roger Clemens drills, drilled Mike Piazza, if you remember, in a helmet. Okay? Hit him in a helmet. And it was, I think it was on an 0-1 pitch. Piazza goes down in a heap. And folks, I've watched this because I was going to talk about it. I've watched it several times. And I'm not saying Clemens wanted to hit him in the head, but Clemens was throwing up around his head. No one was going to tell me different. A A pitcher of that quality knows where his pitches are going. That didn't just get away. But anyway, Piazza goes down, stays on the ground for a minute or so. And fortunately, you know, he would be okay. Now, this needs a bit of a closer look. Because we're getting into what I call payback territory. Piazza had homered in three straight games going into that against Clemens. Three straight games. And Lifetime was 7-for-12 against Clemens, including those three homers and a double. So brushing a guy back, pitching tight inside, that's part of the game. I'm all for that. All for that. You'll never hear me knock that. That's what pitchers need to do. Brushing back a guy is one thing. Headhunting is something else. And again, I do not believe that Clemens hit him in the head on purpose. And the look on Clemens' face was, uh, you know, like I was comparing the look on his face to the look on his kid Jacob Webb's face when he hit Pilar. Webb was in a catatonic state. I'm looking at Clemens and I'm saying, well, Clemens, is he upset? Or is he upset because he knows he just uh, created a hornet's nest? Now, that was in the top of the second inning. In the bottom of the second inning, the whole world, anybody who was watching that game knew payback was coming. Everybody. Up steps for the Yankees, Tina Martinez. The second pitch, lo and behold, he was hit right in the ass by Glendon Rush. Martinez dropped his bat calmly and calmly strolled to first base. The umpire warned both teams, and that was that. That's also part of baseball. Now, some of you might not say, might might be saying, well, what, 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 how can you be claim, be complaining about someone who's getting hit in the head, but it's okay, it's part of baseball. No, hitting somebody in the head is not part of baseball. Plunking somebody in the ass, in the back, yeah, that is part of baseball. That's what we call what is known as payback. And those things happen. But here's another reason that I do believe we have more beanings in baseball. As I said, it's when I say beanings, guys getting hit. Um, up 28, 30%. 
in four years. It's a lot. It's, it's the hot dogging in baseball as well. And if you don't think teams get pissed off when one guy is showing up another team, then you don't know what you're watching. I'll give you a case in point. Ronald Acuna, who I mentioned earlier, he, at 23, he's already got 96 home runs to his credit. Great, great, great player for the um, Atlanta Braves. He hit a walk-off homer in a 5-4 victory against the Mets this past week. Uh, 5-4 victory. And they absolutely... uh, It was in Atlanta. And he walked off. Call it peacock strutting. As soon as he hit it, it was hit to like right center field. Showboating and making like the slit your throat sign to his teammates, you know, in in gesturing about the Mets. You know, game was over. I did it. Kicked their ass, blah, blah, blah. I, I guarantee you, as sure as you and I are sitting here, he's going to get plunked by the Mets at some point in this season. They play each other, they're division rivals. Something is going to happen. Somebody is going down. Now, if you want to get at somebody... You know, a guy hits a home run, a guy like Acuna hits, okay, pitch him tight, pitch him inside, but you're showing up another team with the gyrations and everything else, that's going to happen. That stuff is going to happen. There's no getting around it. That stuff is going to happen. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the idiotic, this business with, with exit velocity, it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Hitters are more worried today. Hitters are more worried today about hitting home runs than anything else. And I'm talking going back to the Babe Ruth era, Willie Mays, pick them all. But all those players could do other things. Barry Bonds, who's like the poster boy for steroids, he could still be... That's what pissed me off about Barry Bonds. He didn't need him. He was that great a ball player. So now we're talking about the hitters. We've already spoken about pitchers and how they deal with hitters and how hitters deal with them. So payback is part of that. But now now let's go to a wonderful moment in baseball. Corey Kluber of the Yankees threw a no-hitter this past Wednesday night. It was a 2-0 gem against the Rangers in Texas. Beautiful game. It was the sixth no-hitter of the season in baseball. The sixth no-hitter of the season in baseball, and we're still in the month of May. The most no-hitters ever thrown in one season in Major League Baseball is seven. Done four times. Yet we already have six. Six. Why do we have six? Because hitters have become stupid. 
as I say, the dumbing down of baseball. Hitters and their coaching and their teams with their analytical bullshit, they're more worried about home runs, exit velocity, and launch angles. That's why, if you think, I'm not just talking about a spike in hit batters. How about the spike in strikeouts? Strikeouts are way up. To see, to see 10, 12, 13 guys striking out for one team in a game, it's like the norm these days. Hitters are helping pitchers like never before. Look, I am not taking, and, and, and I, you know, I want to make this clear, I'm not taking anything away from Corey Kluber or the other five gentlemen who've thrown no hitters thus far this season. But just look at the numbers. Hit batters are way up. Strikeouts are way up. That's the way it is. And the way it is, is the reason I call it the dumbing down of baseball. And baseball better do something about it real fast. They better take their heads out of their keisters. Because the game is not being played the way it should be played. And that, my friends, is a wrap on today's Get a Load of This. Now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. You can do so on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg. You can do it on Facebook. You can always check out my website, at russsalzberg.com. Big time thank you to my home here at Believe.com. Believe, of course, the number one podcast network for professionals. But above all, I want to thank you, the people out there, because without you, the people, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have yourselves a great week, everybody, and stay safe. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells... Amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.